football on off the ball with Sky all the football you love in one place across Sky Sports BT Sport and Premier Sports now then you're very welcome back so we are talking World Cup Philippe Claire is with us good evening good evening to you so we'll talk about the wider issues in due course but I, I, a novel approach for a moment if we could let's talk about the football um, and, and get your thoughts. So I know you're worried about the big one in March and Ireland are ready for you, Philippe, but we might just focus on the World Cup for a moment if we could. Okay. Uh, so just at a glance, French results across 2022 are quite striking. 2-0 defeat to Denmark in September. Mm-hmm. There was a 2-0 win against Austria. 1-0 defeat to Croatia in June. A 1-0 mm-hmm. draw with Austria in June. 1-0 draw with Croatia in June. Mm-hmm. Uh, another defeat to Denmark. 2-1 defeat to Denmark. And I mm-hmm. guess for the last maybe um, signature performance of any kind, a 5-0 win <laughs> against South Africa in March. But really, having beaten Spain in the Nations League final in October of 21, 2022, just looking at the results, has been very iffy indeed. So what has been happening this past year? Uh, I think injuries would be a good start, as in um, Didier Deschamps has been unable to uh, call on a number of players that he would normally make the the basis of his team. Um, And I would say a a very strange atmosphere in the French camp and in the French Federation for the last few months. And uh, the feeling that we're really coming to the end of a cycle, the Deschamps cycle, which has been very successful, the final of Euro 2016, of course, the World Cup title, the Nations League and so forth. But you get the feeling that there is a kind of machine which is coming to the end of its cycle. And uh, that is a feeling which I think is felt by supporters, by players, by absolutely everybody. And and also huge problems within the French FA, uh, which is going at the moment through pro- perhaps, I think, the, the most difficult times uh, I can remember, to be honest. So, um, but when it comes to the team itself, I think it's injuries. I mean, it's been absolutely appalling. I don't know if you've got a list. Um, I, I was trying to remember how many players have been unavailable mm. and will be unavailable for this World Cup or will be in a condition that honestly is not the condition of a player who should be taken to the World Cup. It's a very long list. It's, I think it's a list long enough to to have a very good first eleven, which would give uh, France a run for its money okay. uh, for the world title. So you know, it's not looking good. It's not looking good at all. Right, Pogba and Kante certainly headline that yeah, list. Yeah, that's to start with. Yes, yeah. who, <laughs> just who, pull Pogba and go to Kante. Yes, who yes. couldn't get by without those two? Who are the supporting cast of injuries? Then who else might be? There, thereabouts from a first 11 point of view. The, the, the thing is that there are many players who are there who are important players. We don't know exactly in which state they're going to be. I mean, I'm thinking, I mean, we've just lost personal Kimpembe, of course, um, central defence. Okay. Uh, you will have noticed that uh, Didier Deschamps only called 25 players and not 26 because he didn't have enough players who were fit enough and whom he thought were good enough to join the squad for this World Cup. Uh, so we're thinking Rafael Varane, for example, which state is he in? I think one of the big interrogations at the moment is the state that uh, Karim Benzema is in, because um, he, he trained. I mean, the France France has gone to Clairefontaine. He's flying out uh, to Doha tomorrow. Uh, but the first training session they had this afternoon, um, Karim Benzema basically left it after 10 minutes. And you will you will know that he hasn't played for Real Madrid for a while now. 
and you also don't know what the effect of the Ballon d'Or will be on him, mentally speaking. And if you go if you go through the team, you realize there are a number of players who are not. I mean, the Hernandez uh, brothers. I mean, you know, are they fit as they should be? I'm not too sure about it. There are loads of interrogations, and I have to say that it reminds me an awful lot of the situation of the French team prior to the 2002 World Cup. Yeah. Where you know France was coming as a favorite, logically speaking, because uh, France was the reigning world champion and the reigning European champion, mm. and France experienced some serious problems with its key players before the tournament. Remember, uh, Robert Pires uh, did his cruciate just before you know um, before leaving actually with uh, with the French team. Uh, Zinedine Zidane was injured and played injured, and it, it's it doesn't sound good. Uh, I have to say, I'm probably trying to double hex them at the moment, you know, saying that the way it looks, uh, they could be in for a nasty surprise, even in the group phase. Mm. And I, I genuinely think it's going to be one or, or of two um, possibilities for the French. Okay. Either they go through the group phase and things will get better because mm. players will get fitter or they could have some serious problems uh, with a group, which is not as simple as it looks. They start on Tuesday 22nd, they'll play Australia. They have Denmark, mm -hmm. who obviously I mentioned they have struggled yes. with the touch this season on the 26th, which is a Saturday, and they'll finish up against Tunisia. So Australia, Denmark and Tunisia. I saw in one of the gazillion World Cup preview pieces an effort at their first team. So it would be Larissa and Goal. Larissa yep. and Goal is what I'm seeing. Uh, Pavard at right back. Varane, yes. assuming Varane is fit. You've just mm -hmm. said Kempempe is injured, so I'm going to take him yeah, out and put in Saliba, who's done very well for Arsenal. Uh, we'll see about that, because the last game that Saliba was called um, for the French uh, team, he was actually pulled out at halftime because Deschamps didn't think he was doing the job properly. But OK, let's take Saliba. Interesting. Hernandez left back. Yes. And then, in short, ah. a midfield three. And this is, you know, this could go several ways, but I have seen... Aurelian Schumani of Real Madrid. I've seen Fofana mm -hmm. and I've seen Rabio. And then before anyone feels too sorry for Philippe Auclair in France, ahead of those three, so let's just, they, they can sit there and do their thing and that'll be fine. Ahead of them, yeah, yeah, fine. we have Griezmann with Benzema, who I somehow suspect will be okay. Griezmann with Benzema and Mbappe, four years on from uh, really announcing himself, Mbappe set to run riot, I would think, and have an extraordinary tournament. So I'll remind you of this conversation when we're previewing the final in a couple of weeks' time. OK, um, and I will remind you of it as well. Mbappe <laughs> uh, um, has had a, a strange season, as you know, with PSG. Yeah. Uh, he's scored some absolutely amazing goals. He doesn't look, he looks fit, uh, but he's gone through a, a pretty tough time uh, with his own club. Uh, basically quarrels within the dressing room, quarrels with uh, uh, the owners and the manager, um, mostly with the owners, actually. Uh, Griezmann, as you will see, uh, I have seen, uh, is in a very strange situation because of uh, some kind of weird contractual clause, so he hasn't played as much as he should have. Yeah. Uh, you, yeah. Uh, Benzema, yes, absolutely. The Benzema of last season, pff, you know, what can you say? Best striker on the planet, without a doubt. Uh, but he's coming on the back of um, a number of absences for Real Madrid. Nobody knows the state that he's in. And the problem for me is the midfield. I think there are solutions almost everywhere else. Uh, but in midfield, to be honest, I mean, Rabiot, okay? Um, Germany, yes, perhaps, is, is an incredibly talented player. 
um, but um, he hasn't really uh, been as influential as I thought, I think people believed he would be, especially with Kamavinga, who is, for me, you know, potentially the best midfielder in that group. Mm. Um, Fofana, yes, but Fofana, very inexperienced, very young, uh, coming uh, in, in the French team on on the back of very strong performances uh, with AS Monaco, but unproven at this level. Uh, it, it's a team, honestly. It's, um, it's question mark after question mark after question mark. Um, and you can see that a negative multiplied by a negative is a positive, but in that particular instance, I'm, I have to say I, I have my doubts. Yeah. Uh, the tactical organization as well, you know, because Deschamps went for a three at the back, then moved to four, then moved to three, and so forth. It seems this time is going to be a four. Yeah. Um, in goal, yes, we're fine. Uh, in goal, is fine, even though I would have loved to see uh, Mike Mignon. Uh, to be uh, his number two, but mm-hmm. it won't be possible because guess what? He's injured. So that, and, and, and also what is happening around the French team uh, at the moment is, is not good. There's, there's an absolutely awful atmosphere around it. I mean, it's loads of uh, allegations. It's more than allegations, accusations, and there's a scandal brewing uh, as, uh, you know, for the, the French FA president, Noël Legrette, and the whole system, to be absolutely honest. And also that, we know that Deschamps is probably not going to go beyond this World Cup. Yeah. You know, if he wins it, he can go out, you know, in glory. Uh, if he doesn't win it, and France just basically fluffs it as as they did at at Euro 2020, uh, he will go out, and we've got somebody called Zinedine Zidane who's waiting. You know, mm. uh, I mean, it's just basically you can see the shadow. Yeah. Even though Zizou is quite small, but you can see the shadow behind uh, Deschamps already. So, I would say that. I can understand why people would make them one of their favorites for the competition, yeah. but I could also see why people say they could be one of the great disappointments of this tournament. Okay, really interesting. Because my sense watching them last summer, and it already feels like so long ago, but last summer is that yeah. they were a strange team where they would flit in and out of concentrated yeah. periods of, of brilliance and then just switch off. None more so than in that game against Switzerland where they go a goal down and then Benzema scores two goals in about four minutes and you think okay magnificent goals by the magnificent, way magnificent like where you're just like my god this team if they just get their act together they're, they're gonna they're gonna blossom as this tournament mm-hmm. progresses and then they're under pressure they switch off again and Pogba scores a great goal and stands in that that kind of faux celebration and you think okay they've put it to bed now and then six minutes later they concede a goal and then they concede an equaliser in the 90th minute and then they're gone and they were a very hard team to understand uh, the mentality of because they really had that game won several times and gave it away each time. Yeah, but the problem is, or the question rather, is uh, do they have a mentality of a kind? Uh, when you're a team which is managed by Didier Deschamps, who is the uh, winner par excellence, is somebody uh, for whom there is no other truth than to win, and it's it's a team that doesn't look like him at the moment. It looks like a bit like he's trying to find a solution, but he hasn't found yet the the dynamic or the cohesion that he's looking for. And which is you know you were referring to the Switzerland game, which was a concentrate or a distillate of the worst about the French team. Some of the best, but mostly most of the worst okay. because. Pogba, you're talking about him, mm. scores that goal, but he's also responsible for losing the ball and not tracking back. Mm. 
and which is you know leading to the Swiss qualifying basically. And and you're talking about Paul Pogba, whom by the way has been totally ir- irreproachable uh, as part of the French team. The reason why France won the 2018 World Cup was in great part due to the fact that Paul Pogba and Golo Kante were absolutely magnificent throughout the tournament, and and were the, they were the bosses. Yeah. They're not here. And there's nobody to take their place. So I think it will depend a lot on the attitude that other teams will will bring um, to the field to them. Okay. If they think we are playing against the world champions, look at the players they've got. They all play in the greatest clubs in Europe. They're all phenomenally talented. This is true. Um, they will probably, you know, be eaten alive. If, on the other hand, they take the attitude, you know what, they're not in a good place at the moment. If we can sort of uh, shake them up a bit, I think it might show, and they will lose their co- they will lose their cohesion. Okay, and and I do think that the Australians, given how they're approaching this World Cup, which is basically, we don't care, mm. we get to go for it, um, could really pose them serious problems. And that first game is going to be absolutely, absolutely crucial. France has to win that one. Mm. Draw is not good enough, because be- behind that. Is Denmark and Denmark can really pose huge problems to France. Okay. And then, if anything has got to come to a game against Tunisia, my goodness. Yeah, I'm not confident. You, I think you can probably tell that. Yeah. The Koigig part. I think all the concerns that we have obviously being that middle tier are very valid considering just how much we benefited from playing teams of a higher calibre going into our qualifiers. Subscribe to the feed in the OTB Sports app now. Football on Off The Ball. With Sky. All the football you love in one place. Across Sky Sports, BT Sport and Premier Sports. Hugo Lloris, who... He's in line, by the way, to become France's all-time record appearance holder at this World Cup, which is quite something. He has been speaking... Congratulations to him. Yeah, he's been speaking about the rainbow colour armband, which I think somewhere in the region of eight European countries are uh, talking about wearing the One Love campaign. And I had thought France were signed up to this, but it seems now that won't happen. So what Lloris has said is, of course, I have my personal opinion on the topic and it's quite close to the French Federation president's opinion. When we are in France, when we welcome foreigners, we often want them to follow our rules and to respect our culture. I will do the same when I go to Qatar. Quite simply, I can agree or disagree with their ideas, but I have to show respect. Now, he did also say that France and their players would likely join forces for a collective action in relation to the respect of human rights in Qatar. And he said it will be done in a few days or hours. We will see. So I don't quite know what he's referring to there. So have I framed that correctly? Were France initially planning to wear the armband and now this is uh, a late change of heart? Um, (laughs) I'm going to try to stay polite here. Um... I could use a few good um, English words to describe that. Um, I think it's completely in keeping with the attitude of the French FA from the beginning, which has been an attitude of submission, of alignment on FIFA, um, yeah, FIFA orders basically. Uh, don't want to rock the boat. Close relationship with Qatar. Close relationship of quite a few people within the French FA and and Qatar, uh, and basically shut up. Um, it's not particularly dignified. Um, I 
it's a part of me that completely agrees with the fact that uh, external gestures of support for the LGBT community in Qatar are in a way wasted because as somebody who's been working on this question, as you know, for a number of years, uh, I know what uh, my Qatari contacts and friends are telling me uh, and that they don't necessarily think that this kind of um, gesture of solidarity is necessarily helpful because they will have to deal with the consequences, not the fans, not the players. Mm-hmm. The people, the Qataris and the migrant workers, by the way, um, who are part of of this community, they will have to deal with the consequences. So I think you know you could um, you could argue that the whole thing is just is just fluff and completely insignificant. And there's a part of me, if I'm absolutely honest with you, I think yes, and there's a lot of this one love campaign which is complete. And again, I was about to use a good old Anglo-Saxon here. Yeah. On the other hand, the way he explained it was not at all about that. It was more about what he, what he calls respect. Um, and that kind of respect, I think, football should do without. Um, let's just remind ourselves that Article 3 of the FIFA statutes states very clearly that FIFA should aim to promote human rights wherever it is possible. Um, if the right to live your life and love the people you you know you, you love is not a right okay maybe it's not for fifa you know what can i say uh, but it's a complete contradiction with fifa statutes and the rest of it and i mean the attitude is from you know if i'm absolutely honest it completely stinks it's mm. hypocritical mm. it's submissive and it's indefensible and you will get a lot of flack for that and rightly so yes because France, when it comes to Qatar, uh, there's an interesting yes. dichotomy and we've uh, even been reminded yes. quite lately by Seth Blatter of the Sarkozy-Platini uh, links yep. to Qatar and we know about PSG. And yet on the other hand, uh, France made headlines over the past year when the likes of uh, Paris latterly, but also Marseille, Lille, Bordeaux, uh, Nancy, Reim, they all announced that they wouldn't be having fan parks, which are, you know, just a, 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 a staple of these tournaments where fans who can't go to yep. the destination gather and watch the matches in a, in a great atmosphere. So, for instance, the Lille uh, mayor said that uh, Qatar was a nonsense in terms of human rights, the environment and sport. And so therefore, we're mm-hmm. absolutely not having uh, fan parks to watch the game. So there is a, a split there when it comes to this issue, clearly. Yeah, there France. is dichotomy, absolutely. And, uh, you know, it, it goes well beyond the, the big cities and the big clubs uh, where I come from in Normandy, for example. I mean, our local paper, uh, which still has got, you know, 20,000 subscribers in Normandy, have uh, there was an editorial about two months ago and, the edi- you know, the, the editor said, we're not going to cover this World Cup, we're not interested. Right. We're not going to do it. And that's in a small part of France, which is rural, which you would not necessarily equate with uh, people who are really active on the human rights, mm-hmm. you know, uh, human rights campaign. Uh, as far as the pub- public opinion is concerned, I think in France, as in many other countries in Europe, not necessarily elsewhere, uh, there is a complete lack of interest, uh, a lack, a lack of emotional engagement rather than interest. And, and therefore, the decision taken by these mayors, and there have been loads of them, uh, some of these mayors uh, have acted out of personal conviction, some have acted out of uh, following pressure uh, from people from their own cities and some of them have acted because it's the way the wind blew, the wind is blowing sure. at the moment 
so again, there's a little bit of hypocrisy in there. But what is what is certain is that there is a huge conflict between the public perception of the event and the way that the French FA, the French team, and the Qataris, obviously, and FIFA want to present the tournament. But France, I don't think, is different um, from many other countries. I mean, I don't know if, like me, you've been looking at um, what fans have been saying, stadium-going fans have been saying over the past few weeks. Okay, it's a bit late, but better late than never. But I've seen loads of banners, and I've seen them in countries where I not, was not expecting to see them, like countries like Italy and Greece. Mm. Well, you would have thought normally, you know, this kind of thing, you don't talk about them. But that suddenly you've got Olympiakos fans and Roma fans who are putting up banners and they're saying, you know, we're not interested in this. So, yes, there is a dichotomy in France. There, there is an opposition between public opinion, which is very much not in yeah. or against. Yeah. And the French FA and the French team, they've, they've got to go along with it. And the French FA is totally aligned uh, with FIFA. And also, obviously... You know that France played a huge role yeah. in the award of the World Cup to Qatar in 2022. There was the the famous uh, lunch at the Elysee, uh, Michel Platini, uh, President Sarkozy, the Emir, the future Emir, the Prime Minister and, and Foreign Minister of Qatar. I mean, actually, I I, I broke that story. Right. So uh, you know that you know also the economic relationship between the two countries. Yeah. Uh, you know, buying fighter jets, buying real estate, the fact that when Qataris invested in France, they were um, given this extraordinary privilege of not having to pay any tax on the profits they were making from their operations in France. Can you believe it? Wow, I didn't realize uh, that. Yeah, yeah, Nicolas Sarkozy gave them that, uh, that particular privilege. Okay. And we could carry on like that. You know, there's been an interest from France to cultivate their friendship, inverted commas, with Qatar and, and reciprocally. So because of that, we have a very strange situation where, you know, we have, for example, an investigation into the um, uh, award of the World Cup to Qatar, which has been done extremely well from 2016 to 2019 by the French uh, National Fraud Squad, the PNF, Parquet National Financier, who came up with absolutely amazing stuff, to be absolutely honest, and it's been passed on to independent judges in 2019. But we're still waiting for this investigation to come to an end. And I think it might come to an end next year because of the people it involves and so forth. And it's, we are living this contradiction. Yeah, okay. And I think at the moment, I'm probably talking for you as well as for myself and many people who are listening to us right now, we're living in this weird cognitive dissonance, this weird contradiction between the love we have for, for our game, for football, and the ex excitement we should feel for a World Cup and then the realization it's a World Cup unlike any other's Whatever you think about the rights and wrongs. Yeah. You think what I think about the rights and wrongs. I don't need to go there. Sure. But we all feel this this strange contradiction. And and the French team, in many ways, is a perfect illustration of how weird this World Cup is. Philippe, thank you so much. That was fantastic. Thank you. Thank you. Philippe O'Claire with us live on the line. Uh, football on Off the Ball brought to you by Sky. All the football you love in one place across Sky Sports, BT Sport and Premier Sports. Football on Off the Ball with Sky. All the football you love in one place across Sky Sports, BT Sport and Premier Sports.